Welcome to the Imperfect Church Podcast, a podcast for the imperfect church and the imperfect pastors that lead them. I'm John Martin. And I'm Ryan Reed. And this is the Imperfect Church Podcast. Welcome back, Ryan. Welcome, welcome. Uh, you doing well? I'm doing well. Had a little trip well. to the beach. Had a little trip to the beach. Got a little sun. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, they say that the beach is relaxing. Uh, and it is, <laughs> if you don't have a two and a half year old that you're chasing <laughs> yes, around. that's true. You know, this time at the beach for my family, my kids are now 15 and 10, or uh, 14 and 10, something like that. <laughs> and they, uh, <laughs> they, uh, they were like on their own, you know what I'm yeah. saying? So it was oh. kind of, it was, so it was you free. actually got to sit down and read. Yeah. I, I think I read a, a page. A lot, a lot. I got did a page you really? for three days. I think I read a page. Yeah. But just think of that sweet family time. It was, it was sweet. Time. We had, we had a good time. So did you miss a Sunday? I did not. No. Yeah, uh, it was a, a quick trip. I got an uncle, uh, an aunt who lived down in Pensacola. And so okay. we left Monday, came back Wednesday. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you did not miss a worship service. No. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. Because I like worshiping. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about a part one of a two-part episode, and so we're going to break up worship into two different parts. We're going to speak about it from mainly the pastor's perspective today. That's right. And then next week we're going to speak to to it from a perspective of an actual worship leader. That's right. And so yeah, so whoever's on the platform there, that's, that's kind of right. what we're thinking. <clears throat> that's right. So that's uh, that's going to be that's going to be good. As we get started, we we do what we do most of the times when we have these conversations. We try to Talk about the theology of worship. That's so right. is it something we ought to be doing in the first place? Yeah, and um, you know, I think Christians are uniquely singing people. Uh, yes. Who else do you know that sings at funerals? <laughs> Where did that tradition come from? Right. Uh, and I think that comes from uh, us serving a a singing God. You know, I just mm. read this week, uh, Zephaniah, our God rejoicing over us and singing yeah. over us. Yeah. Uh, he has implanted that in us. I love Martin Luther said something like uh, one time, uh, only the devil doesn't like music. <laughs> you, <know>? <laughs> <laughs> you could be talking about some people in our church. Well, you know, that's uh, I think that's what he meant. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you know we have been a gathered people since the very beginning, right? Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. that's part of what marks us as God's people. That's we right. gather together for the purpose of bringing recognition and glory to His name. Mm-hmm. And as simple as that sounds, it can be complicated in the practical playing out of it. We right, uh, and, and as we let's just say from the from the beginning here, as we talk about worship, we understand that worship is more than just singing. Right. We understand that worship takes many forms, uh, from worshiping daily mm-hmm. uh, to worshiping in a congregation. Uh, but we want to focus on this podcast really on uh, the worship service, right. the, the gathered worship, which we would say is, or at least I would say, is necessary for a Christian's sanctification to be yeah. involved in this local worshiping community. Yeah, you know, on, on the very first podcast when we talked about the beauty of the church even in its imperfections, one of the one of the points that we made which is a a, a core belief of ours mm-hmm. is that if you are a believer, you ought to be participating in a church. Right. Part of participating in a church is practicing corporate worship, which involves singing, listening to the word being read and proclaimed right, and right. responded and, and seen in the ordinances. Right, absolutely. No doubt. Uh, we, we we believe that that is where Christ is present. Mm. Um, he he is there spiritually, and um, we we gather from Him, and we receive a unique blessing in that event. Yeah, uh, that is needed. The sustaining grace that God gives us weekly. Yeah. So you know, as pastors, we're not the ones 
that are that's standing up leading in the congregational mm-hmm. singing. Yeah. Uh, but yet there is a role that we play. What what's your thoughts on what role does the pastor have in the overarching idea of leading worship in the sanctuary? Uh yeah. So I think from the outset the pastor is the lead worship leader. Right. He is he is the the uh the leader of the group, right? Uh, and so he is responsible for the context, uh, context, no, right. content, content, content. <laughs> with you. Uh, he's responsible for the content. He's responsible to help the worshipers mm-hmm. reach a point mm-hmm. where they're able to worship better, right? Effectively, right? right. Uh, and so that that may be uh, as an overseer. Uh, if if we have a worship pastor that's picking out hymns, that, that may be uh, his role there. Uh, showing your people how to worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things mm-hmm. that I've tried to do since I've become a pastor is become um, more demonstrative with my worship. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm still not uh, running around the sanctuary or anything, <laughs> but but I'm trying to move around a little bit and, yeah. and show yeah. people that we don't have to be as rigid in our worship. Right. I, I force myself to do that because I believe that worship should be a little bit more free in that sense. Yeah. Um, a little less rigid, a little less stiff. Um, to show them that there's joy in worship. Yeah. Um, even the unintentional things that we do are leading, whether we like it or not. And yeah. so it's important to think through those. Yeah, that's good. I, I read uh, or listened actually to a video by Herschel York uh, in preparation for today. And uh, one of the things that he said is, is that pastors need to be participating in mm. worship. It can be easy maybe for us to be on the front pew looking over our notes right. in anticipation to mm-hmm. go preach a message and he says you know we ought to be participating because our freedom will dictate the freedom of the worship of the church yeah, uh-huh. so the manner in which we worship is going to dictate how our church is worshiping because mm-hmm. they're they're watching they're you. watching yeah yeah an interesting point to that is is that uh there have been times whenever we have been seated as a congregation, mm-hmm. and I will feel the the need to stand as a result of a song that we're singing right. just for my own personal worship. And when I stand, you know what happens. Other people stand. The congregation mm-hmm. stands. Because they're watching us right. to learn. And I think that's part of our, as a pastor, that's part of our role, to yeah. lead in the actual worship. Right, and I would say uh, unintentionally, the church is going to take on the characteristics of the pastor. They will, which and, is scary. Which is scary, <laughs> and so we need to make sure that when we're worshiping, if we are not worshiping um, out of a heart of, of of genuine joy toward the Lord, yeah. or even worshiping in lament, even even worshiping in all the range of human emotions that God has given us, if we're sure. not expressing that in our worship service, then we are greatly hindering our church, and they will mold around us negatively. Yeah, so we yeah. want to make sure we do that positively. I, I think so, too. And I, I think also what you're saying is, is we have a responsibility as pastors to protect the theology of our people. Right. And we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. But I, I think when you just think about the roles of the pastor in leading worship, participation is one of them, leading that way, protecting the theology is one of the things that I'm sure that most of us don't think that much about. Right. But we have to be protecting the theology of our people. Yeah, uh, because whether we realize it or not, what we sing um, affects our beliefs. It does. Uh, and so uh, we are we are singing songs that uh, are educating us, and mm-hmm. they're teaching us theology. They are. And, and forever the church has done this, right? That's so right. what we sing is what we end up believing. And so if we're singing a lie about God, mm-hmm. then we're going to believe a lie about God. Yeah, and so we want yeah. to make sure we guard that. Yeah, John Piper, I, I, one of the things that I read that he that he wrote said something like, 
we ought to be singing about the things that God has done and who he is, not what he is not. Right. Does that make sense? <laughs> so you, that's what we're doing when we worship. We're worshiping who God is. Mm-hmm. And so when, you, when you're saying that God is whatever it is you're worshiping, we better be certain that it's true and accurate. Yeah. So, and you know, part of this worship requires us as the pastor to lead, but there's usually, not always, there's usually a, a worship leader, I would say. Mm-hmm. For some of our listeners, it's going to be a music minister, right. a choir director. Right. Uh, there are so many different terms for them, but there's somebody that the pastor is working with to fashion that that worship service. And so that relationship that you have with that guy or possibly that that lady that is going to be an important relationship. Yeah, so John, uh your context, you have an actual worship leader. We do. A worship minister, mm-hmm. whatever y'all call him. Right. Um and I, in my context, we're a smaller church. It's a little bit different. Um, yeah, I don't know if we would formally say that uh, this person is the worship leader, mm-hmm. um, but mm-hmm. that's the de facto role uh, that sure. they're playing. Sure, sure. And you know uh, what's funny is I, I was this is kind of off subject. Is that okay? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I was doing a funeral not too long ago, and uh, like ten minutes before the funeral starts, the funeral director comes up to me and says, "Hey, here are the two songs that." Uh, that are going to be a part of the service. And I said, well, okay, well, who's singing them? And she said, you are. <laughs> I said, oh, no, ma'am. I don't, I don't do that. And she said, well, the family said that you would do it. And I was like, I do not sing. <laughs> it was, it was amazing the, grace and how great that was. Did you sing? Well, you know that I did. <laughs> so, so I get up there. And I said, well, okay, well, now we're fixing to sing How Great Thou Art. So what I did was I stepped up real close to the microphone. I announced the song. Mm-hmm. When the piano started playing, I took two steps back away from the microphone, and uh, hopefully no one heard me sing. So it, all of us have to do it, it occasionally. That's right. You know? That's right. That's <laughs> so, a, um, uh, you know, in, in, in one of my last churches I served in, um, every once in a while I would have to pick the hymns. There would be no one else to stand up and right. sing. Um, and nobody liked doing that, and I don't like doing it either. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, let me rephrase that. I'm not good at singing either, but I like doing it because I don't we like sang, worshiping either. That's right. Well, we sang what I wanted to sing. You know, if I if I stood up, right. I got to pick the hymn, and so I was like, oh, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you know that working with that other person who's leading the worship. It's funny. I went to facts and trends just to look up some articles. For yeah, to find some facts and to some find trends. some facts and yeah. some trends. And I typed in the search. This is a true story. I typed in the search bar up is there. Is it? Yeah, pastor as worship leader. Uh-huh. And I kid you not, the first article that comes up is two rams butting heads, and it says three ways to handle conflict in your leadership team. Uh-oh. <laughs> so it's like there's this automatic assumed right. that the worship leader and the pastor are going to be embattled with each other. Right. And I think that's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe it's maybe it's more popular than I think, but I think it's unfortunate. Yeah, that's like almost almost like working with your podcast host. There's going to be some difficulties, right? Uh, so, so uh, John, you have a formalized worship leader. Yes. Um, how do y'all work together? Uh, how what's yeah. the give and take there? How do y'all work together to uh, cultivate the worship environment? Uh, what does yeah. that look like? So, last week we didn't hit on this, but in our we talked about sermon preparation. So, 
in my sermon preparation, I'm I'm about two months ahead of where I am Sunday. Ooh. Right. So I mean, just with the idea, the yeah. scripture, and the and so he has all that. So he 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 of course determines what we are going to sing week to week. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, there's a there's a communication loop between he and I that, that allows us some opportunities to change things. I'll give you a great example. This coming Sunday, uh, I'm going to conclude my sermon in a certain way that I thought there was a particular song right. that fit mm-hmm. my closing and application better. Right. And so uh, just a simple, hey, Steve is his name. Hey, Steve, look, I was thinking about closing this way. Do you, do you think we could change this hymn of invitation to a different song? And he and I have, I'm so blessed, he and I have such a great relationship together, he doesn't see that as a threat. Right. right? I mean, we're mm-hmm. on the same team, mm-hmm. trying to move people towards the same place. And so and so we have that relationship. Now, we use a planning, a planning, I don't know, software, yeah. <laughs> I guess you would say, that, that, that when he plans it, I can see it, we can mm-hmm. manipulate it and make changes to it. And I think that kind of relationship should be present, even, even if you don't have a full-time worship leader. Right. I think the person who is picking the hymns out of your hymnal or out of the heavenly highways, what whatever it is, I think the you heavenly ought to, highways. You don't know what that is. I know what it is. Okay. Oh, I'm aware. <laughs> you ought to have a such a relationship with them. It ought not be like two rams, but it heads. shouldn't. You know, uh, and then just, part of that goes to, and we may do a whole podcast on this, but part of that goes to the pastor. Uh, being the pastor for his staff. Yes, right. Um, right. So uh, you talked about uh, your worship uh, leader not viewing it as a threat right. when you make a change or you make a suggestion, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that that goes back to building the groundwork. It uh, is understanding that it's not it's not us versus them. It's not music versus sermon. Right. That all these together uh, are what we call worship, and we want them to work together to lift right. each other up. Uh, you know, that part of that goes, I think, to having your worship leaders back. Yeah. So when uh, old Susan comes and gets mad because the worship leader won't let her sing a solo in front of everybody because right. old Susan can't sing, <laughs> uh, the pastor doesn't need to I say... I sure hope there's no Susan in your church. I don't think there is. <laughs> Not someone who goes by the name of Susan. Um, so you lost me there. But you know, if Susan comes to you and complains because old, old Steve won't let her sing, right. uh, if the pastor says, well, you know, Steve, yeah, uh, ain't nothing right. I can do about it. He's a stick in the mud. That's right. You yeah. know, if, if we, if we're building up walls, we can't be surprised when we're not on the same page when it comes to simple worship. God. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not going to change. I don't want to change my music minister, Steve, or, or the one before me either. I'm not going to change who he is, uh, you know, but, but, but the week-to-week order, we need to be working together, leading people towards uh, an end. And, you know, there are times that we have to get honest. We have to say, you know, I, I need I need X amount of time uh, to offer the, the sermon that the Lord has so laid on my heart. Mm-hmm. So we need to make adjustments right. like that. But you're right. The foundation is that is that relationship together. And I would say if you're like two rams butting heads right now, we need we need to move towards solution of that. We need, we need to resolve yeah. that. And I don't know what that looks like in everybody's context. And again, I don't want to sound like an expert, but but that ought not be so inside your congregation. Mm-hmm. Certainly, ought not be so inside the staff. Right? Yeah, so. and, and that seems like uh, every one of us battles with uh, the spiritual sin of, of pride uh, of uh, being a humble leader, being a servant leader, right. uh, and that and that sin in itself can affect our worship as well. Man, no and I doubt. think that's a, a, a good segue, if I do say so myself, <laughs> uh, to it. our um, weekly segment of Dead Man Talking. And this week's Dead Man Talking comes from one of my favorite, if not my favorite, hymn writer of all time, 
and that is Isaac Watts. Isaac Watts writes, The great God values not the service of men if the heart not be in it. The Lord sees and judges the heart. He has no regard to outward forms of worship if there be no inward adoration, if no devout affection be employed therein. It is therefore a matter of infinite importance to have the whole heart engaged steadfastly for God. Man, that has so many implications for the individual worshiper inside the sanctuary, but even for those of us that are planning worship. Mm -hmm. That that ought to be our goal. Not to, hey, how can we feel Mm. an hour? Yeah. But how can we be sure that we're that we're speaking to the heart of people, giving people an opportunity to have a spiritual experience? Right, and I think Isaac Watts hits on something maybe he dealt with in his day. Um, but so often I feel like when worship songs and worship sets are gathered together, they're more focused on what can we get the person to to do the outward uh, expression of worship. How can mm-hmm. we get them to uh, come down an aisle to raise right. a hand? How can we get them to, how can we manipulate them? Stand up, stand, stand up for up, Jesus. Stand, right. How can we do something <laughs> like that? Um, and, and Watts gets to the heart of the issue is it doesn't matter if you manipulate your person to run around the sanctuary yeah. and jump in the baptistry. That, yep. What we're hitting at is, are we bringing their heart in context in, in communion with the triune God? Sure. And if we're not, we're failing. Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with uh, being conscious, I think, for the for the worshiper and mm. us that, as we're preparing for the worship, being conscious of the words that we're asking our people to sing. Mm-hmm. Because we need to be sure that they're declaring truths about the gospel because right. those tr- gospel truths ought to move your heart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Gospel truths ought to move your spirit, not just your body. Right. They should move your spirit. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's why we have to be so careful, again, that we're singing songs that are appropriate to the biblical testimony of who God mm-hmm. is and what the gospel accomplishes uh, so that we are speaking on that level to the people mm-hmm. that are in our worship centers. Okay. So, John... I'm going to put you on the spot here. What is an appropriate worship song? What's, what, what's yeah, one of your so favorite here's one of, those, uh, here's one of those areas of disagreement between Ryan and, and uh, John. So Ryan is an old school millennial. That's a new, that's a new phrase. A new, new phrase. Am I starting a movement? <laughs> I'm going to coin that. <clears throat> so if you, and I had to, if you and I had to choose top 10 worship songs at this moment, I'm going to go out on a limb and say most of mine would be contemporary. A lot of mine would be yeah. contemporary, and most of yours would be would be old would be older songs. Uh, most of mine would be at least hymns, uh, whether hymns. old or new. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, no, I'm with you. Would be I, I agree. But we have a disagreement yeah. on, on style. On I would style. say that's. I so, think that's it. Our disagreement is more stylistic. It is. It is. So, how do you approach correct lyrics? Well. First of all, you have to hear the lyric before you hear it before you hear it in the sanctuary. Yeah, that's important. Yeah. And just because it has a rhythmic beat that is appealing to mm-hmm. the ear, yeah, does not mean that it is good to be sung inside of the sanctuary. Right. We we have this uh song that we have sung in our past that has a uh phrase in it that is uh listening to T Mac on the radio. I don't remember the name of the song. Nice. Yeah, T-Max on the radio. Yeah. Overcomer is the name of the song. And and that's one of my least favorite. I love the message of the song in its entirety. Right. But I don't need to know that T-Mac is on the radio. I, I, that, I don't you know. That seems, like, that seems like essential information to worship. 
Like if T Mac's on the yeah. radio, and that what Paul said. Mo- Paul said of- if T Mac is not on the radio, <laughs> then we have no hope. Most of my congregation others, right? is like, who in the world is T Mac? Yeah, right. So now you're T Mac or J Mac, you know, Johnny Mac. <laughs> you know, that's the question. What I'm saying is that we have to be careful with the. I, I think all of the lyrics that we sing need to be helpful, right? And so it, there's some here, and we, I don't want to get on specific songs and i'm the one that just brought up t-mac on the radio yeah come on man but but there are uh there are some songs that are out now that people have questions about mm-hmm. right i mean there's this uh uh what a wonderful name uh when it says um you didn't want to have one without right. us there there's this reckless love thing seems yeah. to be a big controversy right now mm-hmm. and uh you know i just think I'm like John Piper in this. John Piper says there are so many contemporary and old songs that the lyrics are rich and true. Mm-hmm. Why are we even having to even having to debate the ones that might not be true? Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you know, I tell my folks all the time there are too many good hymns to sing bad ones. Yeah, um, yeah, and there are too many good contemporary right, songs yeah. to sing bad ones That's as right. well. That's right. Um, I mean. I'm sure there are. Um, <laughs> there are. Experience. I'm sure there are. There yeah. are. Uh, Trust me, Ryan. John, you 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 dodged the question brilliantly when I asked you what your favorite hymn was. You just jumped jumped the rails, man. Did you ask me that? I did ask. Oh, I'm you sorry. That. I didn't know that's what you asked me. So I have a I have a few that I like. Um, I love I love my tribute, but it's not really old. Yeah, it was written in the 70s. Yeah. I love there is a fountain. Uh-huh. I love there's just something about that name. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I used to sing that to my babies when I rocked them. Yep, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got some sweet memories of rocking the rocking my son with hymns. Yep, um, yep. What's your favorite hymn? Uh, or I, I guess I should ask you what your favorite contemporary song is. Oh man, um, that's a good question. Uh, favorite <laughs> contemporary songs? I love um, something uh, about Toby Mac. I'm sure. Yeah, Toby Mac. No, I really like uh, some of the things that um, Matt Boswell has put out. Um, Come behold the wondrous mystery. Uh, these are contemporary hymns, though. Um, right. So that's tough. Um, what, what's the the Getty song? Um, I'm going blank. I don't know, but I'm sure it has a bagpipe. In it has a bagpipe in it. <laughs> uh, it's in Christ alone. That's a oh good yeah, one. we sing that. Um, His mercy is more. Matt Boswell. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many. There there are some good uh, contemporary songs. Um, that I think that uh, just express the the beauty of the truth of the gospel. Yeah. Um. And, and hey, let's sing them. My favorite right now. This is not what this podcast is supposed to be about. Not what are Matt and Ryan? I mean, what are Ryan and John's favorites? I have Matt on my mind for Gettys. Yeah, he's a Getty fan. Our friend Matt likes the Gettys. Yes, he does. And so mine is the he song. He also likes spaghetti. <laughs> the the. Think, uh, Sailor song, I got saved. Have you heard that? Um, oh my maybe, gosh, maybe not. I don't it know. is, it is fantastic. But here's the point, right? <laughs> <laughs> we need to be singing appropriate songs, and sometimes we 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 just need to be careful with the lyrics. I think of mm-hmm. what we sing. You know, I, I I listen to you listen to John Piper's Ask John Piper podcast. Yeah, every once in a while. Well, he's got two that are excellent on this subject right, right here. Don't. What happens if your church is singing a song that you disagree with the lyrics? Mm-hmm. He's particularly he's talking about reckless love, and and he he offers two suggestions. What I think I think they're great. One is he says don't sing it. Mm-hmm. Right. If, honestly, if your church is singing something that you, you cannot agree with, 
don't sing it. Mm-hmm. But he also offers another suggestion as well. And he says, put a meaning to the words that you're able to affirm. Right. And, and he talks about how yeah. he does that with some of John Wesley's songs. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right. They disagree, obviously. Right. Right. And on, on some of the lyrics. And so he just understands the meaning of it differently than maybe John Wesley did his intentions of when he was writing it. Yeah. And that goes to the, you know, I got a funny story about uh, my in-laws uh, so, uh, they came and, and heard me preach one time and, uh, we were at, a, uh, we were at a friend's church. So I was filling in for a friend and, uh, his worship leader got up and his special music was the song, I'm building a bridge to heaven. Um, I'm going to make it somehow, maybe, you know, yeah. this, this, I mean, it's works-based <laughs> salvation yeah. and I get up right after that and preach, um, grace uh, alone, grace alone. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's a diametrically opposite <laughs> message yeah. from what's yeah. been sung. Yeah. Uh, and so we're talking about it afterwards, and uh, my father-in-law says, and of course, your mother-in-law amens him, and, and she said something like, uh, I don't know, she she picked out one lyric in the song that was true, yeah, she yeah. amended it, you yeah, know? right, right. Uh, but she was uh, she was listening to it with, with I mean, the discerning ears right. and looking for the good in it. Yeah. You know, uh, though, I, I'll say as well, this is a great opportunity for us to teach theology. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we sing something, and, and my worship leader will do this, he will refer back to the scripture yeah. that the song is based on uh-huh. or have the story brief i'm not talking about right a brief understanding of what's happening yeah. and why we're singing the song and so i think that sometimes the theology that's inside the songs it gives us a great opportunity to explain that theology and even us as we follow mm-hmm. that part of the worship yeah we can stand up and affirm the theology of what we just sang yeah. and make sure we're, we're reminding our people it's more than just that is a beautiful piece of orchestra. Right. It's it's that is a beautiful piece of theology right. that's of, describing of truth. that's right of biblical yeah. truth. And uh, so I think that's one thing we can take advantage of. One of the, the series that I'm, I've been in for a while uh, at my church on Sunday nights, um, I call it singing systematic theology. Uh-huh. And so we're basically walking through a a basic systematic theology in every topic. I'm grabbing a hymn that we normally sing, yeah. and I'm applying it to it at the end and saying, oh, yeah. this is why we sing this hymn. This yeah, is what yeah. this hymn expresses. Yeah. And that's my key, because I, the songs that we sing are formative. And so I want to make sure that they are understanding what they sing uh, when they sing, Grace he did proffer, he saved me, oh, mm-hmm. praise his dear name. What does mm-hmm. that mean? Nobody yeah. uses the word proffer anymore. <laughs> so unless we're breaking yeah. that down, we don't understand, and we're mindlessly singing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. another thing that I try to do is I quote hymns in, in, in sermons Yeah, a lot. I do as well. And I think it has, one, it has great dramatic effect. Um, and then two, to be able to, to pinpoint in those songs that we sing biblical truth and yeah. show this is built on the foundation of the word and the word has power. It does. It does. And, you know, I, I do that as well. Uh, I quote a lot of uh, songs. And to be honest with you, it's really, really good for a certain segment of your congregation as well, because songs that we don't sing as mm-hmm. much now, if you'll go back and pull some of those, it, it draws up an emotion. Right. From from a person that says, I remember singing that as a kid. That's right. Mm-hmm. And this has meaning to me that's now right. because I sang that as mm-hmm. a kid. Um, or so, or Mama used to sing that to me. That's when, right. Kind of like what, what we're just uh, yeah. saying, you know, yeah. I, I I hummed and sang, there's something about that name to my kids yep. when mm-hmm. they were little. And mm-hmm. I hope they still, I hope at some point that comes back to them, yeah. you know. So that, that that's a tough subject, you know, selecting those appropriate worship songs. I think it needs to be done in conjunction with uh, your worship leader, and uh, but it needs to be done also making sure that we're theologically yeah, accurate. Yeah, and I would also say don't be a hymn snob. 
or a song snob. Yeah. You know, if you've got a problem, you can find a problem in every song. Absolutely. Uh, and if you start doing that and nitpicking your yeah. uh, hymn picker, uh, yeah. If you're picking your hymn picker, you got problems, right? <laughs> uh, you know, you can you can you can pick your hymns and you can pick your nose, but you can't pick the nose of that. your hymn picker, I knew, right? I knew that uh, was coming. You know, we gotta we gotta have some grace. We yes. can find problems with everything. Well, they're human. That's right. The, the not only the hymn picker, but but the hymn John picker upper. We- John Wesley was a he was yeah. a human. Mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. the Baptist hymn. Though, hold on. Uh-oh. The Baptist hymnal is not the inspired word of God. Ooh, you better not be talking bad about God in Earth and outer space. <laughs> all right, it was not. It is not. It's not. There's it some bad not. hymns in there. There are some really even bad good ones. hymns have have questionable ideas. And, right. Um. You know, uh, there's a hymn that I love. It's a it's a brilliant hymn, and the the author of it got into some weird messianic cult near the, near the end of his life. Um, and that doesn't ruin that song for me. And yeah. it shouldn't ruin the song because when we sing it, it's biblical truth, everything That's about right. it. And we yeah. need to remember that these are um, hymns that are written by fallen human beings sure. that have great sins, and God is using them in spite of that. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think we need to be more careful about the theology than we do about the style, which, you know, it is another thing that we could we could talk about probably for hours. And, uh, again, a place where... Y- where you know the, our contexts are different. Our contexts are uh, different. Our contexts are different right now. We we worship a different style than your context right. does, and uh, and so our worship style is is different. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I, Kevin DeYoung, I, I read somewhere this this week that he said that you know we just need to make here make sure we're having appropriate musical composition and appropriate lyrical content. Yeah. Those mm-hmm. two things. So if it's with a guitar mm-hmm. or if it's with an organ or a piano, mm-hmm. right? So is the is the lyrical content appropriate? That that has to be the greatest right. question. That's the, that's Not, the underlying theme, right? It is. It is. It has to be got for to us. sing truth. And you know, even if it if it's heresy with an organ, it's still, it's still heresy, heresy with a guitar, right? It is. And so I mean, we have to just make sure that we're that again that we're singing things. It's it's not a question of style to me. Mm-hmm. It's a question of is it appropriate worship? And I think your context needs to inform your style. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, sure. Um, you know, if you're in a, I am in a, a, a country western type church, right? You know, so we're gonna right. we're gonna like more country western stuff. Yeah. Uh, and so if I brought in um, a contemporary worship group, most of my 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 congregants are going to be like, what is this? Yeah, What's going yeah, on? Yeah. Uh, and, and so that needs to inform that a little bit. It does. David Bolin has a book that I read for a worship class when I was working on one of my degrees, and it was called The Voice of Our Congregation. It's either mm-hmm. the voice of our congregation or the voice of your congregation. Yeah. And the intention of that book is find the context of your people, and right. that's the style in which you need to, you need to, you need to worship. Now, right. we all understand that None of us are seeker sensitive congregations, but yet, but yet we move, we move and adjust our style based on the the people and the context in which we exist. That's right. And so, I don't think you can just get stuck in any one style. Right. Instead, you need to constantly be moving and adapting. And that's the thing. Uh, you know, we have these churches that are contemporary for the sake of contemporary. That's right. And I visited one a couple of years ago. And they they boasted a contemporary service, and then when I got there, they were singing songs from the early nineties, <laughs> and I thought this ceases to be contemporary in two thousand fourteen. Yeah. And, uh, so if we're gonna if we have this this uh, necessity to be relevant, yeah, uh, we're always going to be behind. So, yeah. So so, co- so contemporary. Right. Th- let's talk about that word. Mm-hmm. All right. 
It means with the time, right? Sure. Con- contemporary. Yeah, con- it's I mean, two yeah. words. It means with the time. Yeah. Semantically. Sure. Go ahead. <laughs> so with the time, uh-huh. none of us are with the times. Right. I mean, you can't, you can't, you cannot change that fast. Mm-hmm. We cannot change. We cannot adapt that fast. Mm-hmm. So I understand what you're saying because the hymns that I picked are all written almost around the year that I was born. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I don't consider those things contemporary, but yet a lot of people would consider the hymns that I picked contemporary. Right. Because mm-hmm. they were written in the 70s, right? right? Or the 80s, mm-hmm. right? So contemporary is one of those terms that the, the way that we use it is not the way actually right. it means right. <laughs> what it actually means. Does that make sense to you? So as we <laughs> hey, wrap up this you conversation need to close all that out. on worship, well, we got we to gotta close out. <laughs> We're getting near our time, and we know this is going to be a two-part podcast. Yeah, so we yeah. want to get into some more of the weeds of uh, what to sing, how to sing, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Can we sing Miley Cyrus on Sunday mornings? Um, I don't know. Uh, We're gonna leave you on a cliffhanger. Uh, uh, we want you to we want you to really wrestle a week whether or not we believe that John does. Um, I do not. That so, is so not true. Um, John, uh, to wrap this up, what are you reading right now? Something really unique. You, I uh, I just started reading it today. I've read it before, but uh, To Kill a Mockingbird by Harper Lee. That's not unique. That's like every yeah, high for, schooler in America. Exactly, has to read which that book. is why I'm reading it. So it's a good book. My son. Uh, started to kill a mockingbird yesterday, and so uh, so I, I'm going to start. It. I read. I tried to read whatever he's reading in school mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, uh, found one of my favorite fiction books actually. Uh, the boy in the striped pajamas. Uh-huh. Have you heard that? Of that, I've book? heard of it. I haven't read it. No. Oh man, it's tremendous. And I read it because he read it as like a seventh or eighth grader in school. And mm-hmm. so uh, so I'm reading. I'm reading to kill a mockingbird. Okay, that's the only thing new. I'm still reading the other ones that we talked about yeah. last week. Okay. Okay. So, what about yourself? I am reading uh, Randy Alcorn's Heaven. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I'm reading. Uh, Did uh, God not want heaven without us? Yeah. Uh, well, he hadn't got to that yet. We're, we're, <laughs> that's the question and answer part. I'm also reading the the fiction book Aragon uh, by Christopher. I'm not even going to try it. His last name's P. Uh, <laughs> I, I already got I already got jumped on because I said Rual Dahl's name wrong. Yeah, um, yeah. My bad. He's Norwegian. Give me a break, <laughs> right? It's not like I mispronounced Paul. You know. Yeah. Right. Um. So those are the two I'm reading right now. Um, what are you preaching, John? Uh, well, right now I'm preaching through some character studies. So I did uh, Moses last week. I'm doing Gideon this week, mm-hmm. and I'll do Paul. I'm talking about those guys who transformed their lives. Okay. They, they walked through transformation. Then I'm going into Jeremiah. Okay. So fine. you're still in Matthew. I, I'm beginning back Matthew yeah, this yeah, Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited you. about it. Matthew 10. Um, it's a... It's one of those verses that I kept pushing off, starting back Matthew, because I yeah. knew this is going to be a tough uh, jump in, and, and the more that I've studied, the more rewarding it's been. So, yeah, that's good. good. Yeah, yeah. Well, good stuff, man. I kind of feel like we got on soapboxes a couple times today. Well, that's fine. Is that um, okay? You know, that's okay. Um, uh-huh. Well, that's all right. Uh, maybe our listeners will forgive us if we give away another book. There you go. The Mortification of Sin. Sin. Yes. By a Puritan. Uh, by John Owen. Now, I feel bad giving this book away uh, for a couple reasons. One, this isn't a new book. It's used, but it's a good used <laughs> book. Um, I don't think it has any names or anything on it. I think if I were selling it, it on Amazon, I would say used like new. Yeah. Also, I feel bad giving it away because John has never read it. I have not. I have not. I have to get on Amazon and buy me a used like <laughs> used like, like new, new one yeah book. um fun story about this book i think i saw one time uh barnabas piper had tweeted 
that he got in trouble in grade school for something, and his dad made him read this as punishment. No so, way. <laughs> uh, so we know you want it. That's right. So you know what? It's a fantastic <laughs> book. John Owen, Mortification of Sin. Uh, great. Uh, you know, I think this is the book where John Owen says, be killing sin or it'll be killing you. Yeah. Uh, so great biblical truth, and we want mm. you to win this book. So be on the lookout on our Twitter. We will have a picture of it to retweet. Uh, tell your friends and family about us. Uh, like, rate, review our podcast. Give us five stars. Five stars uh, because we are a five star podcast. Yeah, man. Please help tell your friends. Yeah, you know if you um, enjoy it or we, you just like are, to laugh at us. We are blown away by the support we received so yeah, far from our podcast. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. our eighth or ninth episode, mm-hmm. and uh, we we just can't thank you enough for our listeners. Uh, we know that this is a word of mouth thing, and so we yeah. encourage you to share this podcast with a friend. Uh, bug them, help them to find it on Apple uh, Podcast, on uh, Google Play, on wherever you get your podcast, uh, so that we can be a blessing and a service to you. All we can do is tell you it's gonna get better. It's gonna get better, right? <laughs> you you've probably heard worse content, but we're getting better. So, um, well, we thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Until then, keep loving your imperfect church, and remember, one day she will be perfected in glory. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend of mine. He taught me how to live my life as it should be. He taught me how to turn my cheek when people laugh at me. I've had friends before, and I can tell you that he's one who will never leave you flat. Jesus is a friend of mine. Jesus is my friend. Jesus is a friend.